Blog Talk Radio. Hello there and welcome to the Michael Calderon Show. We're so glad you could join us this Monday, August 27th. And if you're on the Eastern, um, Eastern Time Zone, it's 9 a.m. And we thank you so much for joining us. And uh, with me today is Adriana, co-host. Adriana, how are you doing this morning? Uh, Adriana, we can't hear you. Let's make sure your mic is on. So Adriana's back from her trip. Adriana, as you know, was in uh, Indonesia, and she was actually there when the earthquake occurred. So um, we're gonna we're gonna try to get we're gonna try to get uh, some points uh, from her on that and see uh, see what exactly happened, but. Uh, Adriana, we're so glad that that you're here in one piece and that you've made it home safely. Um, And let me tell you about uh, today's guest. Today's guest is going to be Froggy. And uh, Froggy is a radio personality uh, who has been uh, part of the Elvis Duran and Morning Show since 2006. Froggy started his radio career in 1994, starting at 933 FLZ in Tampa Bay, and in 2002, moved to Y100 in Miami. Froggy is married to his beautiful wife, Lisa, and has a daughter, Danielle, and a son, Caden. Froggy will tell you that he loves being a husband and a father. Unlike the rest of the team from the show that is based in New York City, Froggy is the guy in the studio in Miami, but he also travels around the country introducing the Elvis Duran show to the masses. So we're real excited to have him. During his free time, Froggy enjoys NFL and college football, Tampa Bay Bucks and Florida Gators fan, NASCAR, as you know, he was born in North Carolina, so you've got to like NASCAR, and golf. Froggy lives with a rare chronic disease called acromegaly, and after years of experiencing unexplained symptoms, he was diagnosed in 2010. It takes discipline to keep his symptoms under control, but Froggy credits some of the success from the support of his family, friends, and all of the listeners. If you want to hear more about his journey, check out his video on www.acromegalyinfo.com. And uh, we're going to go to uh, Froggy. Froggy, how are you this morning? Good morning. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we could get you on. And we have Adriana, my co-host, who's just back from Indonesia. Oh, awesome! So, um, so Froggy, let's uh, let's start uh, let's start with talking about how you got into radio. And I know this is a bit this is a bit different for you, and I appreciate you agreeing to do this because I know you're normally on the other side, and uh, <laughs> and now you're. You're kind of, you know, in the seat being asked questions about your career. So um, I appreciate you agreeing to do that. Um, and I did go over I did go over your bio as you were connecting. So uh, so let's talk about how you started in radio. I um, always just loved radio. I used to listen to the radio as a little kid every night going to bed. I always just thought radio was the coolest thing ever. And I had this vision in my head of what radio was. And it was quite different when I got into it, but when I got out of high school, I was looking for something to do, and I'm like, there was a radio station I grew up listening to uh, where I lived in Tampa, Florida, WFLZ, and it just, it had so many personalities that were on there that were larger than life, and so many things that, that just made me want to be in radio, and so I uh, went to junior college for a couple years um, for media, and was looking to go off to um, what I call big boy college. And I got offered a position at the radio station that I grew up listening to. And so I decided, you know what, I wanted to go to college to be in radio. And here I was being offered a position at a radio station that was a dream to work at. At the time, I didn't know how influential that radio station was across the country. But it was very influential in a very big radio station. Um, And so I took that job. And I started out as an intern uh, making no money whatsoever just working as an intern but I was I had my foot in the door and I was at a radio station doing what I hoped one day to do what I wanted to do and I 
24, 24 years later, I'm still doing radio. That's phenomenal. So, so essentially, essentially, it was, it was your dream, dream job. job. Yes, exactly what I always wanted to do. I always thought it was really cool. I thought radio was larger than life. It was such a theater of the mind. And, you know, the way I, the way I see it is five people can listen to the radio and five people can paint their own picture. And if, if five people all painted their picture on a piece of canvas, I think that each, each person would probably paint a little bit of a different picture. Um, and so to me, that's what makes it cool is that it, it, it opens everybody up to make what they want, whatever they hear to be. Right, and you, and you were there for how long? I was at WFLZ in Tampa um, from 1994 until 2002. In 2002, I accepted a position at uh, Y100 in Miami, which is where I am now. And I was just on Y100 uh, from 2002 to 2006. And then in 2006, I met a gentleman by the name of Elvis Durand, and he said, we're going to we're going to push our show out across the country and we want you to be the guy to do it. And that was in May of 2006. And now here we are August 27th of 2018 and our show's on in uh, 84 markets across the country. Um, and the show's doing very, very well. And I'm still based out of Y100 Miami, but we're on, like I said, 84 radio stations across the U.S. That's amazing. So what, how long do you think that you had to actually pay your dues for? So from when you were an intern till the point where you kind of had a little bit of a breakthrough, how long were you working without seeing some sort of reward, I guess you can say? I, I was an intern from, let's see, it was October the 20th. It's funny how you remember certain dates. I was an intern from October 28th. Uh, 1994, and I was an intern for probably about eight months, making nothing. I mean, zero, nothing. I remember, I remember my, my mom and dad giving me a hard time that uh, I needed to get a job. And I'm like, I have a job. And they're like, no, 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 a job pays you money. Um, and so I did that for probably about eight months. And then one day this gentleman said to me, hey, would you mind coming in early tomorrow? Because I was working in promotions uh, as an intern. I did promotions where I drove the van and – we washed the vans and picked up trash in the parking lot and went to promotional events, and that's all I did. Um, and a gentleman on the morning show said to me, hey, would you mind coming in tomorrow? We're going to do something, and we'll need you uh, if you could help us out. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll be here. What time do you want me here? He said, well, I'll need you here at 4.30. I'm like, boom. At 4.15, I was in the parking lot ready to go. Um, and that was really kind of it. I started – that day on the morning show, and then I would do stuff every now and then. And then one morning they said, hey, yes. we're going to take you out of promotions and put you on the morning show full time. Wow. wow. And so you did that without having the actual experience of being on the the mic. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't running a show at that point. All I was doing is, you know, is I would have a conversation whenever they, they would ask me whatever they wanted to talk about, and we would do it. Right. Um, that's kind of how it worked. I that's really kind of how I learned how to do, I learned about mornings is from um, kind of doing that and just being around and absorbing yeah. the information that was around me. That's phenomenal. And prior to you being a part of the Elvis Duran morning show, were did, did you listen to the Elvis Duran show prior? I knew who Elvis was. I had met Elvis. We do um, a lot of radio conventions. Radio, as, as big as it is across the country, radio still is a very small, uh, knit, tight, uh, a very small, tight-knit group of people. And so I had heard of Elvis Duran. I knew he was a big-time radio guy in New York City. Um, didn't, really know, didn't really know anything about him, but had heard from multiple people that he was just, just wonderful, just a really good person and a good guy and... And so that day that I met him, I met him, people that are familiar with South Florida, uh, when it used to be called the Western Diplomat in Hollywood, I met him oh, in the sure. lobby of the, of the Western Diplomat in Hollywood uh, in, it would have been May, of, no, it was actually before May, because we went on the air in May, so it would have been like April of 2006, he got off the elevator and I was standing in the lobby, and that's the first time I ever met him, uh, with a real conversation face to face, I had met him at a radio convention just really, just really quickly with a bunch, you know, with a huge group of people, uh, but didn't really know him. 
Um, but it really was just a blessing in disguise that day. Wow. And, and you know, I'm originally from New York. Not that you mm-hmm. can tell. I don't have a New York accent. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Forget about it. And, um, right. you know, I, I, I used to listen to the show uh, in New York as well. Went yeah. on uh, on Z100. On Z100, yeah. And 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 you know my my favorite part and and still one of my favorite parts of of the show is is the phone pranks. Right. You know, uh, and that that just you know sometimes I'm driving in my car and and I'm I'm listening and I'm laughing hysterically and you know you're at a light and you look across you and people are just looking at you wondering. Right. Yeah. Or or they're laughing or they're too and they know what you're laughing at. Too. Right, right, and that's happened a lot as well. Where they'll be listening to the show as well. Right, we and I love it, that. I... Yeah, and and uh, Froggy, was it a big change for you going from Tampa Bay to uh, to Miami? It was at first, obviously, because uh, Miami is very different uh, than Tampa. Um, so it was a very big change. Uh, but you know, that was when I first came to. Y100, I worked with a gentleman by the name of Footy, and Footy oh, sure. was, like a, was like a second parent to me. He took me under his wing, and he, he taught me the intricacies of South Florida and, and how different it was. And that even though Tampa was only 250 miles away on a map, um, it's worlds away as far as the differences of South Florida and Tampa. And so I had the luxury of kind of having somebody who – had been here for so long and was very well loved here in the South Florida market. I had the luxury of having somebody like that kind of show me the ropes and, and how different South Florida was and, and how to handle situations and, and how things were very different here. So I had that luxury. But when I joined the Elvis show, I had already been here in South Florida um, for four years and I had already been on Y100 for four years. So at that point I was kind of cemented here on Y um, before joining but yes, getting back to your question, get, getting used to South Florida was definitely an adjustment because it is it's only 250 miles away from Tampa, but it's worlds apart. Indeed, yeah, completely different. So I think a lot of people wonder how the dynamics work with you being here and the whole team kind of being on the other side. So like, does that does that kind of affect? Um, you know, the, the the flow of the conversation, or do you feel like you're just right there with them? It was very different at first. At first, it was very hard. Um, you're yeah. sitting in a room all alone, and they have guests who come in, and there's the guest in the studio, and you're not there, and they have right. food that comes in, and you're not there to eat. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the dynamic was very different at first, and, and I'll be honest with you. There were days of me calling Elvis after the show saying, I just don't know if this is working. It's just, it's so different. I had never been in this situation before. And, and he was always very understanding and like, hey, if it's not working for you, you let me know. We'll figure something out. If you if you really want to move to New York, we'll, we'll work on that. If you if you want to look at something else, you know, if it's, you know, it needs to work for everybody. And so Elvis was always very generous. Um, but now, here we are, let's see, 2006, 2018, we're 12 years into this. Now I couldn't imagine it any different. Um, it's really? it, it's almost a little strange when I'm there. When I go to New York and I'm in the studio, I love it, I enjoy it. But it's almost like, wait, wait a second, I'm here in the room with everybody. It's it's just it's it's different. Um, yeah. And so because of that, it's just become very common. And then there are many times Elvis is here in Miami, or Elvis will be in Santa Fe, or Elvis will be in L.A. or Vegas, or or we'll do a show from the Iowa state fair. And there's many times we have three studios when we're doing one show, we have the New York studio. We'll have, if Elvis is in Santa Fe at his home in Santa Fe, and then I'll be here in Miami. So we have three live studios doing one show and it sounds seamless. It's, it's really amazing how we've all adjusted. It was an adjustment for them as well. I mean, they were doing a show too with somebody who was not in the room with them on a camera. I mean, it was yeah. it was an adjustment for everybody. It wasn't just me, and that's that's what I always tried to understand. That instead of thinking like, I mean, we live in the entitlement society. Instead of the what about me, <laughs> I tried to think to myself, right. well, you know what? They're adjusting too. They they didn't know me. I mean, they had been doing a successful morning show 
in New York for 10 years when I joined. They, wow. These people didn't know me. They, they don't know anything about me. And here, like, why is this guy joining our show? And so I tried to look at it from their perspective as well. And I think that's what made it all work is every single person is amazing and wonderful and caring mm-hmm. And it is the greatest group of people. And I've worked on, I've worked, this is my third ensemble show. I worked on an ensemble show in Tampa. I worked on an ensemble show here in Miami. And footy was great. Um, but I'll tell you that I have never worked with a group of people who genuinely care about each other the way we all care for one another. And Elvis makes it like a family. And that's why it works. Because mm-hmm. everybody looks out for each other. There's no inroading. There's no fighting. There's no... There's no hatred. There's no yeah. one-upping. It's just it really is amazing how it works. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and I think that comes on. across. That that yeah. comes across, um, you know, on on radio, that that you guys are really a family. Yeah, um, we genuinely like each other, and that's yeah. weird. I worked on shows. <laughs> I mean, the first show I worked on in Tampa, we didn't like each other. I liked one of the guys I worked for, but the other guy was, we just. I couldn't get along with him. He couldn't get along with me. It was just, it was tough. Um, and then the show that I worked on here in, in, uh, in, in, in Miami loved footy to death. There was somebody else on the show that was just very difficult to get along with. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's uncommon to find, you think how many people work on our show to find that many personalities that can all get along and all jive together. It's very, very hard, but somehow Elvis does it. Do we have, like, little family quarrels? Of course we do. But <laughs> at the end of the day, everybody cares for each other, and there's a lot of really close friendships. Like, my wife, uh, Lisa, and Danielle are best friends, and not right. just on the air. Like, they are – I mean, they've already we're, – we're off this week, um, and they've already spoken this morning. It's it's you know it's uh, I don't I don't know if you it's you know it's Monday morning. They they they've already right. talked today. And we're on vacation this week. I mean, <laughs> that's how we're all so close. We, we travel together. We went on summer vacation together. Um, we spend a lot of time with one another because we all genuinely like each other, which is rare. It is. It is. Is and, that is that rare? It, it really I, I is rare like... because. Okay. Usually when you work together, you kind of like to get away from that's work. That's true, yeah. And so that's why, is that usually you want to get away from work. But Elvis is one of my best friends in the world. Um, just last week, yeah. he uh, well, he announced uh, over uh, maybe a month ago that he and Alex are, uh, are, are getting married. And last week he announced mm-hmm. his wedding party of four people. And, and Danielle and I are two people that are standing up in his wedding. So, I mean... Wow. Of all the people he knows in the that. world, yeah. two of the people that he's the closest with are, are you know, are here on the show. It's just it is very, very uncommon um for it to be this way, but I'm glad we all get along and we care for each other and and you feel like everybody's got your back. You don't feel like somebody's trying to get you. Right. Yeah. Right. And and, and that definitely makes makes a huge difference. And you know, what um in in terms of your work and and you know i know that there's the show right and mm-hmm. what people don't realize is you know cuz a lot of people probably think like oh wow they got a great job they they work for you know 2 to 3 hours a day and right. and then oh, they yeah, go home the they have you work for 4 day. hours a day and you go home yeah right. i wish but but tell us what what is it really like what's what's a day like in the life of froggy all right, so a normal day, uh, alarm goes off at uh, 3.45. Wow. Um, I'm usually at the radio station by 4.15. Wow. And then we start preparing. Um, we have, you know, every station has their own individual um, music and commercials that we play. Every station does. So I'm responsible for... Uh, all of I'm, I'm responsible for everything here in South Florida. So everything you hear on the air during the morning show is my responsibility. But then I'm also responsible for what we call local breaks, where we cut things that are going on in those cities for uh, not just South Florida, but also um, Jacksonville, Florida, and yes. uh, Philadelphia, and Cleveland. 
So I'm, wow. I'm responsible for four other cities that I have to gather information for and give those to Elvis. So we, I do that when I first get there. The show starts at 5 a.m. All the commercials and everything, we're responsible for all that, so I set all that up. And then we record all the local breaks. And then the show starts at 6, and the show goes until uh, 10. At 10 o'clock, we're responsible for anything that you hear. So sometimes you'll hear a commercial that runs later on in the day uh, on the show with our voice. We record all those after the show. So after the show, we're responsible for recording things that need to run later that day. And then other markets, uh, other cities that we're on, they'll want some things. So we have a, a company where they submit audio to, we record those. So I'm usually at the radio station until show's over at 10. I usually try to get out of the radio station by 11.30. And then I always try to tell people, our day ends at you know, 10, 11 o'clock, but the rest of the world is still working. So I'm on call for the rest of the day. If a salesperson were to need something or somebody in management, I hear from people all day long on email and on the phone all day long. So we're constantly working. And then, with the social media aspect, it never ends. We're always on social media. We're, you know, our, our lives are 24-7 on social media, so we're trying to interact with listeners. I try to give an hour or so of my time throughout the day uh, interacting with our listeners on social media uh, because they take the time to interact with us. They, they, they take right. the time to follow us and, and comment on, on the things that we do. So I, I, we always try to reply back and, and be present with our listeners on social. And then at night, every night at 7 o'clock, between 7 and 8, I do work at home where I start tomorrow morning's commercial and music log uh, for, the, for the next day. I start that the night before for about an hour every single night. Uh, I do that. So, I mean, it really is a full day. There's a lot going on. Um, but There's I'll, a lot with, of work, with yeah. That, yeah, but with that being said, I'll tell you, I've been doing it for 24 years, and I would not change anything. I, I just, I, I love doing it. It's you know, it's all I know. It's either that. If, I always tell people if I couldn't do radio for a living, I'd try to play golf. My golf game's not very good, but it's a good thing I can do radio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so and, and there there is a lot. Excuse me? Your weekends must also be jam-packed because I'm sure on top of, you know, your everyday Monday through Friday, you also have the extracurricular where you have to go out there and also interact with the listeners and events. And I'm sure here, even in Miami, you get booked up for, for places to be Yeah, we do stuff on the weekends. Many. And then also, you know, outside of the promotional station items on the weekends, we try to be very present on social media during the weekends because the show isn't just Monday through Friday. We try and, um, you know, if we like, for example, if I if I post a picture on social media of me and say Justin Bieber, okay, I'll get some interaction and some likes and whatnot. But if I post a picture of me and my family or me and my dogs or us doing something fun together in the community, it gets ten times more interaction. People like to see what we're doing, and they like to just see us doing everyday things. And mm -hmm. We realize that. So I try to be present on social as much as I possibly can, whether it's letting the listeners know what we're doing or if we're going to just a couple of weeks ago, we went down to the Umbrella Fest that was going down in Coral Gables, was going on in Coral Gables and posted a picture yeah. from there. Or if we're going out on the water, or if we're going out to, you know, anything we do, going to Zoo Miami or whatever, it's just I just try mm -hmm. and post that, hey, here's what we're doing. People love that. They, they love to interact. It's like, hey, I was there. Okay. Or oh, my goodness, was it cool? We've got to try that, too. So it, it kind of really works both ways. Yeah, they really relate to you that way. So right. for, on your end, do you enjoy the social media side of it? Do you like to do it, or is it something that gets pushed upon you by, you know, the higher powers, and they tell you, you know, you have to it, be in tune with people? On? It works both ways. Um, uh -huh. There are days, 95% of the time, it's awesome. Um, but then there's sometimes where, you lose the moment because you feel like you have to post. You feel like you have to yeah. do something. You know, like, for example, mm -hmm. if I go to a concert, too often now if you go to a concert, all you see are phones. Nobody's watching yep. the show anymore. They're watching it through their phone. Um, yep. And I want to take in the concert, but at the same time, I know that I need to post. So what I, I, try, to, um, I try to limit it as much as I can. And 
when it's time with my family, I'll try and limit it as well. Like if I'm going somewhere, we just went to Alaska on a cruise. So I knew I needed to post, and I did. But at the same time, sometimes I'm like, okay, now we're going to do this, and I'm going to be fully in the moment, and I'll post later, or I'll take a picture. Sometimes I'll take a picture at one time, and I'll just post it later. I don't want to post at that moment because I want to be involved in what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. You want to be present. And, yeah. Right. Yeah, and and that's that's the difficult balance, I think, in today's day and age. I mean, technology has made things easier for us, but it's also created a lot more work and stress because sure. there is there is the expectation that we're all going to be accessible, that we're all going to respond immediately. Right. It's right. like someone will send you an email, and then they'll text you two minutes later and say, "Hey, did you get my email?" <laughs> Right. Or, you know, somebody will text me and I don't answer right away. And then I post a picture on Instagram and they'll give me and then they'll call me. I just saw you post on Instagram. I know you have your phone. It's like I do have my phone, but it's like exactly you. Just because I have a phone in my pocket doesn't mean that I have to answer you within four seconds. Right. And that's where. It does. It causes uh, it causes some issues. It causes issues at work. It I think. It causes issues sometimes in personal lives. Like it's just it, social media. Really, I think the internet and social media is fabulous. I really do. I think both of them are wonderful, used properly. Mm-hmm. I think they can both get a little bit out of hand if you're not careful. Yes, right. no, yeah. I, I I agree. And and you know the um, um, a couple of things. No, number one, I'm glad you you mentioned Footy. I didn't realize that that he had been like a mentor to you. He does so oh, yeah, much he here. Was awesome. He does so much here in the community and, you know, here's help, the treatment program in North Miami that helps so many people. Um, I remember I interviewed him years ago uh, when I did the sheriff's radio show and, and, you know, you just gave me an idea. I think it's time, it's time to have him back on and, and talk about his program. Here's help. And and his annual, uh, there's no, nobody, there's nobody like him in South Florida. He really truly is. And just a good person. I mean, just like I said, when I when I moved here, he could have said nothing and just let me kind of kind of let me fall down and try to pick myself up and try and you know it is it's only 250 miles away from a different world. I mean, even right. listen, even West Palm Beach is an hour away. It's a different world in South Florida, yes. and that's the thing is that he yeah. he was so. Without him, I don't know that I'd still be here. I don't know that it would have worked because I don't know that I would have adapted as well as I did. Um, because he made it easier. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going mean, to I'm gonna have to reach out to him and and get him on. Yeah, and, he's uh, awesome. You know, and again, his Here's Help program and his annual fundraiser. And I remember he used to do that at the Diplomat. I don't know. He did. We uh, still do Bubbles and Bones. We do it every year. It's, yes, uh, Bubbles November and Bones. 9th. Yeah, November 9th this year. Okay, okay. I think wonderful. people really undermine how important it is to have a mentor because it can really dictate, you know, your your future. And as you were saying, Froggy, that um, it really changed the game for you having him as a mentor. So, like, how important do you feel like it is for people to seek out mentorship? Because I read a lot of books where, where a lot of successful people, they say, that changed my life or this person changed my life. And I think a lot of people that are lost, they don't know where to turn or how to find a mentor. So what kind of advice would you give for someone that's looking for someone to mentor them into the right direction? Well, I definitely think you have to find somebody who's open to being mentored. In other words, not everybody's open. Some people think their way is the only way. And and, and that's fine. I mean, there's those people succeed as well. So there's nothing wrong with that. But me, I've always been somebody where if I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm talking about, I will do one of two things. I'll either read. I mean, I will Mm -hmm. read and try and learn about whatever it is until the cows come home, or I will ask somebody who I know is more well-versed than I am. And so when I came Mm -hmm. here, I knew that it was different. I knew this was a different place. And so because of that, I went to somebody who I knew had succeeded here. And so I think that – no matter what you're doing, whether it's a sport, whether it is your right. relationship that you're in, um, personal relationships, professional relationships, um, 
whether it's, I mean, learning how to do something, well, whatever it is, always find somebody who, don't be afraid to find somebody who knows more than you do and pick their brain mm-hmm. and just listen and learn. And, and I think that you could use that in every single aspect of life from no, no matter what it is you're doing, always find somebody who knows a little more than you and learn from them. And then turn around and when somebody asks you, then help, help them. them the way the person ahead of you helped you. I just I think it's very I think it's all it it's all one big cycle. You're going to climb exactly. the ladder. You need to reach your hand down and pull somebody else up the ladder because you're going to be going down the ladder at some point, and you want that person to help you back down. You don't want to be pushed That's right. back down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, Rocky, we don't stay up at the top about... of the ladder forever. You know, yeah. unfortunately. You're right. You're right about that. Um, I, I want to talk about. Uh, you've done a lot of work and continue to do a lot of work uh, spreading the word about acromegaly and, and uh, you know, helping that foundation, uh, educating, educating others uh, about acromegaly. Um, Let's, let's talk about, um, you know, your journey with acromegaly and and how that's impacted your life. Well, I had, um, I mean, it was really, it was it was strange. I had braces when I was a young child. Um, I got them off, and everything was fine. And then over time, I was noticing that my teeth weren't right. I, I didn't feel the same. I was swelling. I was I, just my my appearance had changed. There was so many things going on. And so, you know, in 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 general, we as humans we make we make excuses for things rather than trying to figure out what the problem is. At least I do. So. I was sweating really bad, and I said to myself, well, I live in South Florida. It feels like it's 100 degrees outside. I'm supposed to sweat. I'm really tired. Well, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. I'm supposed to be tired. Um, uh, I'm gaining weight. Well, I don't eat the best in the world, so maybe that's why I'm gaining weight. Like I, 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 I could relate everything to this is why, and the truth was I had a disease that I didn't even know existed. And so I did some research online, and I saw – uh, the word acromegaly, and I looked up ac- I looked up what it was and what you do, and I saw that the quote fix was brain surgery. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. So I just kept moving on. And then one day my mom called me, and my mom wanted to talk to me. I was at a golf tournament, and my mom said I need to talk to you right now. And so I talked to my mother, and she mentioned the word, and I got cold chills up my spine. I knew right then that there was a problem. And so. I went to a doctor, and the doctor told me that that, she didn't think that was what I had. And I asked her why, and she said, well, because I've never seen anybody with a disease. I've been practicing for 20 years. I said, well, with all due respect, that's fine, but I think I'm it. Right. And so to make a long story short, through a series of testing, sure enough, I did have it, and I had it pretty bad. I had a pretty severe case of uh, acromegaly. And what it is is it's it's a tumor that grows up on your pituitary gland, and causes your pituitary gland to secrete massive amounts of growth hormone. And so you basically grow out of your own skin. Your body grows mm. out of your skin. And so in 2000, in uh, May of 2010, I was diagnosed. I had brain surgery in June of 2010 at Shands Hospital in the uh, University of Florida in Gainesville. Um, and then Did I you had pick to that have, place because you because you because you love gators. <laughs> you know what's funny is that I was uh, when I went to the doctor um, to get a doctor to do the brain surgery. The gentleman that I saw said to me, "Listen, there's a guy in Miami that does it, but the guy that is like the best in the country is at UF Shands." He said, "But to get in to see him is a six month wait. You don't have six months." And so. Um, by the grace of God, somebody that I knew, their mother was the director of surgery at Shands Hospital. And her mother uh, called me and said, you need to just come here. Bring all, your, bring all your charts and come here. We'll find a way to get you in. And so they did. And so I had brain surgery in June of 10. And then seven days later, I was uh, found to have pre-stage colon cancer. And so I went through a uh, colon reconstruction. And then 12 months after that, I had jaw reconstruction because acromegaly caused my my lower jaw to grow outside of my skull. And so I had to have my 
jaw completely reconstructed, upper and lower, uh, from my basically from my cheekbones down, was all taken out, trimmed down, screwed in, and put back together and screwed back in my head. Uh, and that was in June of 11. And as I talk to you today, I am on a four-day-a-week um, injection that I uh, inject. I mix and, and inject uh, four days a week. That keeps the uh, what the tumor. They couldn't get all of my tumor because my tumor was wrapped around my carotid artery, so they couldn't get all of my tumor. And so, what little bit is left is still causing my pituitary gland to secrete growth hormone more than my body needs. And so I take these four injections a week. Um, the molecular makeup of the medicine uh, tricks my body into not using the extra growth hormone on those days. And so it keeps my growth hormone level correct, and I'll be on this for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah, that it, was, is... it was a very interesting journey. It was. I learned more about the the brain and the pituitary gland and the, how the what the pituitary gland does and how it works and more than I ever thought I'd know in my whole life. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, so how do you, how would you say that this changed your life in a positive way? Because I know a lot of people that look back on these instances where they've had, you know, life threatening experiences and some of them say, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Is that your mentality looking back on that? Or, you know, are you, kind of in a place where you kind of wish you had never gone through it? No, I feel, and this is going to sound crazy, mm-hmm. I feel as if I was lucky to get it, and I'll tell you why. Wow. One, I, have a, I, I have an audience. So 82 radio stations, I was able to go on the air and talk about it. And it was the very first thing I went to Elvis and said, I want to go on the air and talk about this. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. I said, there's a re- it's a one-in-a-million disease. Well, it was at the time I got it. Now through research and I believe part of the um, advocacy work that we've done, not just myself, but I've done with, with other people, um, it's now been cut in half. So now it's a one in 500,000. So okay. I, believe, I don't believe more people are getting it. I believe more people are being diagnosed because of awareness. There, so, there's more awareness, awareness. yeah. yeah right. Sure. I, I, it's not happening more. It's just being more recognized. Um, so I have a platform, whether it's the radio show or social media, or I was able to get the word out and talk about it. And I've had multiple people come to me and say that either have it and didn't know they had it, or they had friends of theirs that have it and didn't know they have it because they heard us talking about it. So wow. for those reasons, I believe there's a reason that I got it and not somebody else who wasn't able to spread the word. And number two, it makes you look at situations differently. Things that used to upset me really bad um, don't upset me anymore. And, it, and it, it gave me a lot of answers to with, with overabundance of growth hormone, it causes what we call in the community, it causes acro rage. So overabundance of growth hormone causes you to be aggressive and causes you to get very upset about things that really don't don't matter. And so uh-huh. I would get really upset about things that really didn't matter and then feel very sorrow after the, the, the burst of growth hormone was gone. I would feel very sorry for being so upset. But I never understood why, and it wasn't something that I could control. So it affected my personal relationship with my wife. It affected my relationship with my child. It, it affected so many different things. Sure. But be able to to be able to get an answer and go like, oh, this is why I feel that way. And it also makes you look at things differently. Things that are important are important, and the things that don't really matter just don't really matter. And so yeah. I don't regret getting it. I don't love having to inject four days a week, trust me. I don't love mm-hmm. sticking a needle uh, in my body four days a week. But at the same time, um there are thousands and thousands of rare diseases. Most of them have no treatment. So I'm lucky enough mm-hmm. that the rare disease that I did get, I have a treatment. And so I have a way of living a mostly normal, unimpacted life. Um, so for that, I'm very thankful. So instead of looking at it as I never – I won't say that I never. I, I, for a very short period of time, had a why me feeling very short period of time 
why me? Why do I have to get this? And I think that was only when I was recovering from the surgeries, when I was really at my lowest point and didn't feel good and was just, I lost, I mean, I lost a year and a half of my life just trying to prepare for surgery and recover and then prepare for more and recover. It was really difficult. 2010 to 2011 was very, was very rough. Um, but now looking back on it eight years later, I don't, I don't regret getting it at all. I met some amazing people through the journey with this disease. I've been able to talk to people. I've traveled uh, and talked about the disease. So I, I don't, I, I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever. Yeah, that's amazing. So what is the organ? You said there was an organization that you work with that spreads awareness. Yes, it's um, they're on uh, the website's acromegalyinfo.com, but the uh, acromegaly community is what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's on Facebook. There's a website. Um, they do a um, they do a a convention uh, every two years. And uh, I help with that and do what I can and just try to do. I even I've worked with some drug companies with Pfizer and uh, Novartis Pharmaceuticals to try and spread awareness about the disease and try to so that if somebody else goes to a physician, a physician doesn't say no, you don't have that. Um, right. So that orthodontists can recognize. You know what? At thirty, I was let's see, I was thirty years old. Well, let's say I'm forty-two now, so I was thirty. I was 34. At 34 years old, your teeth really shouldn't be changing. Your jawline shouldn't be changing. And so I wish my orthodontist that I went to go see would have recognized it a couple years earlier. Like there was just, there were many different signs that I feel like when I went to doctors or went to other medical practices that if they would have been more aware of the disease, nobody knows about it. So that's really been the goal the whole time is to just drive awareness through physicians and doctors and, and get people to understand what the disease is and what to look for. Right. Yeah. That's and so, so when someone, cool. any way that we can help, let me know, please. I will for sure. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really been, it's been a journey and it's been where I've learned a lot and I've met a lot of people. And that's why I don't, I think everything that I think, I think everything that happens happens for a reason. Number one. And number two, mm-hmm. I always tell myself when things are rough or when, they, when all this was happening, I'm like, if God leads me to it, he'll lead me through it, and there's going to be a, a reason on the other side. And like I said, I stand here eight years later, and I'm, I'm fine. I, have a, I am lucky enough that I have medical therapy. I have multiple choices of medical therapy. I don't just have one. I have, I've tried four or five different ones, and I've finally found one that works. And I've, I've done these seminars and conferences where there's thousands of rare diseases, and people have no therapy they have no hope they have you get it and it's just a death sentence i i'm not there so for those reasons i'm extremely thankful that i do have options and i think we we met around that time After yes i don't remember i remember i met you at uh mac the guy that i do uh he works at the radio station with me i met right. you at his wedding i don't remember exactly Correct. what year that was but it was it was I'm try- it had to be around 2010. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It I'm going to have to look to it that. up. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember when it was, but it was close to that time where there was so many unanswered questions where I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know why I felt the way I did. And I mean, just, and it's, you know, then you finally, you start doing research and you know, all these answers start coming to light and light bulbs start coming on. You're like, oh, wait a second, I'm not crazy. Right. And and how has it been for, for your wife, Lisa? Because she's, she's been with you on this journey and, 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 you know, partially a good portion prior to you even knowing that you had acromegaly. How has oh, well, it been Lisa for her? Been, Lisa and I have been together since 97. Um, so we were together for 11, yeah, no, yeah, seven. No, we were together for 13 years um, prior and she was fabulous. She was she was much more upset than I ever knew um, because she mm-hmm. didn't say she didn't she didn't really say anything. She just kept to herself and talked to people. And but she was extremely easy to lean on, and 
took care of our family and made sure that things were right. And I mean, it's just having somebody, having a, a caretaker and somebody to help you through everything is so important. And I don't know how people do it alone and have to do it alone. Yeah. yeah. So what would you say is the secret? Because you guys have been together for so long and, you know, you're in a limelight, so it it might make it a little more on the difficult side. So what's the secret for holding it together for this long? I would say the the, the number one thing would be compromise. And you don't have to win. Nobody. If, if one person wins, then the other person loses, and the truth is nobody really won. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell my couples that all the time, Froggy. All yeah, the time. Just, you know, when yeah, when you're a couple, you're a team and there's no winner or loser. You either no. win together mm-hmm. or you lose together. Right, and that's exactly it. Both both people have to feel like they have some sort of victory and both people have to feel at peace with whatever the final decision is or final outcome. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it's tough. It's it's tough, you know. Um, not it's it's hard enough having being in a marriage or or in a relationship um, that you know in in your case it's it's a, a kind of a public profile position, you know, because there's the listeners and fans of the show, and right. uh, and then throw on you know the the day to day stress that everyone goes through managing a family and then oh, throw sure. on the illness, you know, right. acromegaly and, and the surgeries you had to go through and the treatment. I mean, that, that is quite, quite a bit of, you know, on your plate at that time. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's it, there's been a lot going on. And so that's the, that's where it, it does get tough and it does get where you, you sometimes just have to slow down and you have to take time out for each other. And some, I think people forget to do that as well. Right. And, and what's something that, that people don't necessarily know about you? That um, you'd you know want what? I don't, to know about you. I don't know that there is because I'm such an open book. But, you know, I, I live, you know, everything you see on social with me is, is who I am. Um, right. I'm very open on the air. If Lisa and I have a disagreement about something and she's okay yep. with me talking about it on the air, I talk about it on the air. I've heard um, it many times. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, but I, I'll run it by her, like, hey, are you okay if we talk about this on the air? And if she says no, then, then the answer is no, and that's fine. Um, I just, you, once again, everything's got to be okay with, both people have to be, you know, you're on a journey together. It's not a case of, it's it's, it's not, it's not one person's journey and another person's along for the ride. Um, mm-hmm. Both people have to be kind of like going on vacation with somebody. And everywhere you go is the only place that one person wants to go and another person just goes along for the fun. That's really not a vacation. You have to go where both people want to go. And that's the, the relationship is like that every day. It has to be both people have to be satisfied with the direction. If you're not, um, it will eventually blow up. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Well, Froggy, I thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you know, I, I know how valuable uh, your time is and, and and how tight your time is, particularly in the mornings. So I really appreciate um, you, you know, making the time to do that. Uh, I'm I'm so appreciative. I really am. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. And, and thank you for having me. And I, uh, I enjoy doing stuff stuff like this enjoy you know getting the word out on our show and getting the word out on uh on the uh advocacy work i try to do for acromegaly i mean really it's just i never ever do i mind doing stuff like this yeah thank you for sharing your journey thank you guys both very much and and uh i wish the best to both of you as well and if you need anything if you need some help getting uh if you can get a hold of Footy or whatever you want him, just let me know, or I'm sure you can get a hold of him as well. If there's anything I can help with in the future, if you need another guest or whatever, just let me know anytime. Yeah, definitely. And and, and, and maybe when we have him on the show, we'll we'll have you back, you know, and and uh, we can have you both yeah, on. That would be a great duo. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'd love to do that. Yeah, and, and I just checked because it was, it was bothering me. I just checked. 
So we met July 7th of 2012. 2012. <laughs> it was right after everything had happened. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's really crazy. Funny. Wow. It was 12. So that, that's when it was. Okay. Yeah. I knew wow. it was in July because I knew, I remember uh, Mac had just posted a picture of he and his wife for anniversary in July. So I knew it was sometime that's around right. July. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was like, I have to look this up. This is going to drive yep. me crazy. <laughs> yeah, yep. you're really precise. You're like, July cool 7th deal. at 11 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> cool deal. Well, thank you guys very time. much. I appreciate it. Time. Yes, thank, thank you, Froggy. You. God bless you and your family and your beautiful wife, Lisa. Um, she She's always great. You know, she is, uh, She's the best. If I need something, I could reach out to her. She's very responsive. And, she is. Um, and uh, you know she's she's been phenomenal with me, and and she's got a great company for those listeners getting ready to get married, or if you have a special event, Social Butterfly Photos. She's got a photo yes. booth, and uh, the link is on is on my website uh, under the recommended vendors. So uh, and her cards are here in my office. So uh, oh, cool. thank you again. Good deal. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. And it's been great having Froggy on. Um, You know, a couple of things I do want to mention, of course, um, that this past weekend, uh, number one, we saw uh, there was a tragic shooting in Jacksonville. Uh, It was during a Madden tournament, which is a video, football video game tournament, in Jacksonville at the landings, very popular spot, much like Bayside here in Miami. So um, I believe four people have died and a total of 11 were shot. The shooter who was one of the gamers did shoot himself after committing the crime. Um, So, you know, authorities are still sorting things out up in Jacksonville. Uh, Our prayers and thoughts are with them. Uh, We also lost a true American patriot, Senator John McCain. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Um, Definitely, you know, uh, a really good man. You know, politics aside, he's a good man. And whether you agreed with his politics or not, his intent was always to do the right thing for the people. And you know, there's a there's a um, a news clip that's been playing over and over on social media, and it's a news clip from him at a rally back when he was running against then President Barack Obama, and um, you know, a woman stood up and was essentially complaining about Obama, and you know, said you know something like he's an Arab and something else, and and John McCain essentially said, no, ma'am, you know, he, he's a good family man. He's a good man. Him and I just differ on some political views. You know, he always mm-hmm. took the high road. He, he, he didn't talk down about people. He always took the high road. He was a prisoner of war and served his country yeah. faithfully and loyally. So, you know, again, our thoughts yeah, and prayers. Kidding. Yeah. I was sorry. I was reading an article where it said when he was, you know, held captive and he was about to be released that he refused to be released until uh, the fellow people that he was with that got also captured were going to be released with him. So I thought that was really noble. And I mean, I have so much respect for someone like him. There's such few people left in the world like him. It was a real big loss um, that we Absolutely. had losing him. Absolutely. And and the other thing is um, that we've got to talk, you know, on our next show, we've got to talk about your trip to Indonesia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to we got to use a whole show for that because there's so much to talk about. I'm just kidding. But it, it was phenomenal. And the people there and the places are just it's just a place where everybody should go at some point in their lives. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're, and, and, and you were there. Soon. Yeah. And you were there during, well, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, they've had, you know, I think two earthquakes. 
uh, one I know. Well, that, that occurred while you were there. Yeah, yeah. No, they've had they've had a lot more than two. It's it's really a phenomenon what's going on right now. They're just getting earthquake after earthquake after earthquake. So I'm not really sure what the earth is up to, but I'm just you know I'm hoping that they don't get any any more hits because it was it was pretty bad how they were hit uh, the last couple times. Yeah. What was it like? What was it like for you being there when that happened? I mean, it was it was surreal. I really felt like I was in this like Armageddon movie where the world was going to end. I I had no idea um what was going on, what was going to happen. Thankfully, I was in an area where it didn't get hit um as other areas did, but I just I, I was in shock that that it was even happening. I mean, I could feel the ground underneath me as if it was like jello and I was standing on concrete and it felt like jello. It was the craziest thing ever. And, you know, I know that we get the hurricanes here and we're, and, and, and you get a little bit of that feel too. When there is a hurricane coming, you kind of feel like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is is my world going to end? Is my house going to stay there? But these people have, zero time to prepare for an earthquake it just comes literally from underneath them and just kind of changes their lives in a second and in a weird way made me grateful for the fact that we do get time to prepare for a hurricane and whereas people that are in these areas when there's earthquakes it is seconds where your life just changes and you can't prepare for it, and you don't know what's gonna happen when when you're in it. It's a very scary feeling. But um, yeah, it was it was a, an experience to add to the trip for sure. <laughs> I'm grateful to be alive and and you know to have experienced it because it was something that put in, things into perspective. So yeah. Well, were you were you asleep when 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 it happened? No. So I was actually in a restaurant and um I was about to order something. I was I was looking at the waiter, asking him questions about the menu, and um I felt something like under my feet and I said to him, What what um is there like a train underneath? And he kinda paused because I guess he knew that there wasn't a train, so he was wondering what why I was asking that. And I'm looking at him like, What 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 is he gonna say? Like I don't understand. And he just said all his his only thing that he reacted was earthquake. And I was I looked at him and, and I actually kind of laughed and I said, No, it's not because it just didn't seem like that was the the answer that was correct in the moment. But in right. the very second <laughs> that he said that, one second later, I'm looking up and I see chandeliers moving from side to side and I'm like, Oh my goodness like and people just start running out of the restaurant, you know, like everyone's running for their lives. And it's in the middle, you know, I'm like in the middle of or eating my bread or having water and, and I just have to get up and run. And, and the next thing you know, you, you don't know if a building is going to be falling on top of you, you know. Right. So, I mean, it was it was really, really scary. And everyone was out in the streets. We're standing there. And as I'm standing there, like I told you, I'm standing on concrete and there's like jello basically underneath my my shoes moving around in the ground and it's it's wow it's crazy how earth works i mean it really does i mean we really have to consider what we're doing to it because obviously these are natural disasters but we are pushing the envelope with the way that we're treating earth and it's reacting i mean it's not normal for a place like this to have this many earthquakes in such a short amount of time i mean I'm not, you know, a scientist or anything, but from what I've been, you know, speaking to the local people, they haven't experienced something like this. So, I mean, I just think, you know, with the earthquakes and the hurricanes, I mean, the the earth is definitely shifting in a way where we have to treat it a little more delicately because um, we're just, you know, creating, we're, we're kind of creating these scenarios for ourselves, but we don't really know um on our everyday lives, how we're actually affecting Earth, but it's proven like climate change is real and and it's affecting different parts of the world in different ways. But 
here we are, and I'm I'm lucky to be alive, so I'm grateful for it. Yes, yes. I was, you know, when I when I heard about it, <clears throat> about the uh, the earthquake, I was like, oh no. I was I... like, Adriana's over there. I've got to get a hold of her. <laughs> I remember I, I called so I, I called the associate pastor. I said, hey, we got to track down Adriana. She's <laughs> over there, like. You know, we got to send in the Marines to find her. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Actually, the embassy was actually looking for us, um, and they were trying to get in touch with us to make sure that we were okay. I didn't really want to put it out there because I didn't want anyone to think, you know, or get scared about what happened. So I kind of left it under the radar so that I didn't, you know, any friends or family were, like, thinking that I was over there suffering because of an earthquake because it really wasn't right. like that. But it, it was... It definitely we the the plan, uh, you know, of our trip was to be in the place where it happened, and somehow, right. some way, you know, God, thanks to God, I we didn't end up going to the island where it was most affected, and I was supposed to be there where there was the most devastation, but I wasn't, and I still felt it, but not in the way that I would have if I had ended up on that island. And, um, and yeah, I know I was, I was not trying to, you know, get anybody scared, but the embassy was looking for us because the person I was with, their parents were very concerned and called the embassy (laughs) and we had, you know, people trying to track us down. So we finally had to email the embassy and tell them like, no, we're okay. We're alive. We didn't end up going to that island and everything worked out, but I appreciate that, that you were concerned and, and you did reach out. So that Absolutely, and yeah, and I'm glad yeah. that you responded when we reached out because <laughs> that that would have really yeah. been. Although you know, look, I know a time like that, and you know, systems are down, and you know, yeah. I figured you know, Wi-Fi may be down, and you know, other things may be down, so it may be impossible. But I was like, I gotta try to reach her. I'm like, I'm gonna send her a message through every platform. That I know. Uh, you're so no. sweet. Yeah, thank you. No, I mean, we uh, honestly, the area that I was in was very unsuited in in relation to how the people on that island uh, were actually affected. So, so I was very, very lucky. But there was definitely some some areas affected, but I think it was very minor. Yeah, and and there were some other folks that that I know that were also traveling over there at the same time. So I was also yeah. reaching out to and them as well. Okay? Yes. And, yeah. and thankfully, you know, everybody was okay, but you know, it's a, yeah. uh, you know, you just never know. Yeah. You just that never know. Also so. It's such a time difference. So it would be like if someone were to message me in the middle of the night to see if I was okay and I wasn't responding for like another eight hours because I was sleeping. It was like the alarm was going off in their head. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was it was it was a little difficult to um, to try and 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 keep up with the time change because over here sure. people are sleeping at the time. You know, it's a twelve hour difference. Right. Um, but right. yeah, I think yeah. But as far as connection, it wasn't really affected by by the earthquake. Right. Well. Uh, we'll we'll definitely have to talk more about and yeah. uh, you know I, I saw some some of your amazing photos from the trip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the amazing thing about Indonesia is, is that it has so many islands, and each island has something so different to offer. One island has amazing crystal clear beaches. Another island is like a whole jungle where you can go hiking. You know, it's just, it's from different, from one spectrum to the next, you just experience, and the people, the people there, you know, I I wanted to be a part of the actual culture, and not just what the hotels, the five-star hotels, and the beautiful dinners have to offer, so I really engaged in the local people, and let me tell you, they, they live off of not much, but they are some of the happiest most grateful people that I have met. I mean, it was truly a life lesson to be around that kind of spirit. And they're, and they're all like that, you know, I mean, they all share the same gratitude and happiness. 
and even though they have little little bit a lot less than what anyone over here has um right. they, they just live such a happy content life with the little that they have so i took a lot away from that yeah and and i know that you also spent time at a local orphanage is that right yeah so i visited an orphanage i i went twice and it was a little difficult to be there because of the fact that you know you you know that these kids have been through a lot and their living conditions are they are one of the luckier orphanages but you know you see their sleeping quarters and where they go to school and you know where they eat and it it just really broke my heart in a way that it kind of pushed me to really help them and um and yeah and again those kids they don't they are the happiest little kids and even though you know I was talking to a little girl and she was telling me that uh her parents were so poor that that they had to leave her there and it, it but 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 she was as happy as can be she, she really didn't let her circumstances affect her her mindset or her happiness so right it was it was really an honor to be amongst spirits like that i mean it's it's so difficult to be around that in 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 our era in in these um in the lifestyle that we live in because everybody just wants more and more and more instead of being grateful for what they have and these people really embodied even the kids that you just have to learn to be grateful for what you have and 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 really consider that a blessing even though it could be how they're living you know sometimes in the slums sometimes with no food and whatnot so we can learn a lot from kids sometimes and and I certainly did and I was just very grateful to be there yeah it looked like a really really amazing experience it really was so we'll we'll have to get into into the details of yeah. that and are you planning on going back is the question of course once you've been there you are like the only place i want to go vacation at is over there just it's just truly an an experience going there but i i think that everybody should also if they do end up there experience the true culture of indonesia cuz that has a lot to offer as well um and and just submerging yourself with the people there it's just there's such beautiful people there with with their mindset so i think that's equally as important as experiencing the fancy hotels and the restaurants and the pools and the beaches so yeah i would definitely go back all right cool all right well that's going to be a wrap for this week's show uh, again adriana's back safe and sound from indonesia we're so happy <laughs> that she's back safe and sound thank you and um you know, I want to give another shout out to uh, to Froggy and his wife Lisa. Really appreciate you know him coming in and uh, and being on the show. And um, keep watching the show page for the next show. If you have an idea for a show, or you have a comment or a question, send us a message through the show page. If you want to see uh, that video uh, about Froggy and Acromegaly. Go to www.acromegalyinfo.com. We thank you so much. God bless you. God bless America. And um, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.